Hello and welcome to Succeed Through Speaking, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high-value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey and in today's Speaker Stories episode, I'll be getting to know Dr. Joe Martin, who's an award-winning international speaker, author, educator, and certified builder of men. So Joe, hello, and a very warm welcome to today's episode. Oh, thank you for having me, Tom. It's my pleasure. I really appreciate you being here. And just for all of our listeners' benefits, whereabouts in the world are you right now? Uh, I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga, Tennessee, which um, to kind of give them a reference point, it's about maybe an hour and a half north of Atlanta, Georgia. Excellent. The States. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing. And I also know from reading your bio before this um, that you've authored or co-authored nine books and amazingly have spoken for or spoken on behalf of more than 750 businesses or organizations, which is huge. So my first question today is, what is it for you about public speaking that keeps you coming back time and time again? Well, as far as um, I'd never... You know, I, I wanted to do public speaking, but I didn't know that it was going to turn into a, a lifelong career um, of doing it. But what brings it back is the the potential impact and relationships you can build as a result of, of speaking. Um, the way I describe public speaking is basically um, it's like um, I, you're getting paid actually to advertise and promote what you do. Yeah, because even though you're delivering a message, um, the real work comes when you build relationships with people in the audience, certain people in that audience. So um, some of the clients that I've, I've spoken for, um, I've spoken for them like 15, 20 years straight, mm, where wow. they keep bringing you back year after year after year after year. So it's really not about that one time. It's about the relationship you build with them that they'll keep bringing you back for more. Yeah. So a lot of the speakers I speak to say that, you know, you want to become a referable speaker in that right. you want your talk to be that good and move the audience that much that, that people want you to keep coming back time and time again. So I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, so thinking back to the very beginning, then I'm just really interested to find out, were you a natural born public speaker? Did, were you shy at school? What, what were the early days like for you? <laughs> yeah, um, I actually, I, I consider myself an introvert. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that I don't like being around people, I, but I get my energy from being by myself yeah. and being in solitude and um, I'm more cerebral. But as far as what public speaking, what got me to come out of my shell wasn't the fact that I wanted to do public speaking. It was the fact that I had a story to tell yeah. because I grew up in um, very rough conditions in abject poverty, um, like a lot of kids in the inner city and survived a lot of trauma. But because um, of overcoming that, that past and then succeeding, you're talking about I was the first person in my family to ever graduate from high school. Wow. And no one in my family had um, gone to college. And not only was I the first to graduate from high school, I became the youngest professor ever hired to teach in the state of Florida at the age of 24. Amazing. And so going from a person, a mom who never even graduated high school, no one in our family graduated high school, to making history in the state of Florida by becoming a professor, a university professor. See, it wasn't that I wanted to do public speaking. The obvious question is, how did that happen? Mm. And had my PhD by the time I was 28 years old. Mm-hmm. And so they want to know, how did this kid come from the projects? And uh, I'll give you an example. My mom has um, 11, had 11 siblings, wow. six brothers, five sisters. Not one male made it past the age of 40. I'm the oldest living male on my mom's side of the family. Yeah. So yeah. 
I had a store, a compelling story to tell about how I overcame abject poverty, abuse, gang violence, drugs, addiction with with education. And so it was more so the desire to tell people how I did it, Mm -hmm. how I overcame it. And it just took off after that. It kind of took on a life of its own. Yeah, it almost became your your duty to tell that story then. Yeah, yeah, an obligation. It felt more like an obligation to do it more so than I wanted to pursue it as a career. And I remember when I first got into it, I was telling this guy who was a public speaker that I wanted to do, and he heard my story. And he told me I was going to do really well. I said, how do you know? I said, I've never spoken before. What do you mean? How do you know I'm going to do well? He says, because how you just told me your story. He said, you never once mentioned you wanted to do this as a career. Yeah. Yeah. I said, well, I don't. He says, Mm -hmm. I know that's what you're saying. He says, but if you tell your story the way you just told your story to me, he says, you're not going to be able to prevent yourself from having a career doing this because more people are going to want to hear your story. Yeah. And he was absolutely right because it just grew, 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 and grew. Before I knew it, I was quitting my jobs to do this full yeah. time. Yeah, so. and, and and I guess by building the foundations on storytelling, you know, that's one of the best skills of public speaking anyway. So that's, that's fantastic. And I just want to resonate or, or reflect back on the fact that you said introvert because that's something that I really resonate with and I know that a lot of the listeners will. Um, so... There's this almost belief that, you know, you have to be extroverted to be able to be on stage. Um, that's not true, is it? And, and I guess, how, how do you, how do you um, get your, re, rebuild your battery? How do you rebuild your energies after doing a big talk, which takes a lot of energy from you? Well, well, I used to take a nap. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably. what I do. Um, but what I, what revives me after I speak is more so, of um, the connections that I made from yes. the audience. I yes. reflect on it and I look at the impact that I made and I just kind of, okay, what could I have done better? Um, where did I think I really connected? Because normally if you if you do public speaking long enough, you kind of do, even though you have a planned program, a presentation, you kind of still doing it extemporaneously because things will come to you while mm-hmm. you're speaking. It just flows. And then you say, then you go back and you say, okay, I got to, Remember that. I got to remember that next time I speak. Mm-hmm. But more so, um, I just kind of um, get by myself and reflect. And and I, I'm joking about it, but I do take a nap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go yeah. to sleep because normally yeah. you're getting it back on a plane. And I mean, I mm-hmm. before the plane takes off, I'm asleep. Exhausted, and yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it drains my energy. I never get drained being by myself. I only get drained when I'm in front of an audience. Yeah. So, so I guess for any introvert listening, just know that you can do it. You know, it might not be in your comfort zone as such, um, but there's ways to recover and absolutely worth that, that energy expansion. Um, so next question is, so I want to kind of go back again to, to the beginning. So you'd obviously figured out that you can tell your story. You had a great story. And, but you weren't a skilled public speaker at, at this point. So what what do you now know that you'd wish you'd known back then in terms of some of the lessons you've learned about how to become a better public speaker? Well, as far as um, I, I, when I taught at the university level, I actually taught public speaking. Right. I taught um, public relations. I taught communication, um, journalism. So mm-hmm. I was in the communication field. And so I know how to craft a message. Yeah. I know how to grab people's attention. I know how to keep their attention. I know how to do voice inflection, to speed it up, to slow it down, and know how to make the, do the dramatic pauses and all the other stuff. And anybody can be taught how to be a good public speaker. That's not that difficult, um, learning the skill of public speaking. They said, well, then what makes a, a, a speaker gifted? Yeah. You know, to me, what makes a speaker gifted is how they can respond on the fly without being prepared. Mm-hmm. In other words, um, I think I'm a pretty decent public speaker, 
but I'm even more effective when we're doing Q&A. Yeah. I don't know what's coming. Like this kind of yeah. format right here. Yeah. I don't know what you, you didn't send me questions uh-huh. before we came here, but I'm really good at knowing how to craft a message and put it together. If you, if you ask me a question and to me, those are the gifted type of speakers who can do that and they don't need prompting. They don't need preparation. They just kind of go with it mm-hmm. and they say, wow, I can't believe that person was able to do that. Um, but as far as um, knowing what I know now and going back, it wouldn't be more about the skill of public speaking that I would um, give myself advice on. It would be more so about the business side yes. of public speaking, yeah. of knowing how to make it a career. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just doing it just because I wanted to share my story, and but I didn't know that I could make a living doing this for the rest of my life. And I would have been more intentional about planning that out. And so I, I tell people, I say, there's two, two pieces of advice I would give myself. I had to go back and see my old self over 20. And now, I guess how long has it been? Almost going on 30 years this year. Yeah. If I could go back, I would tell myself, one, um, create product quicker. Yeah. yeah <laughs> create some create a product, write a book or something quick. Yeah. Um, do that. And two, be intentional about building your platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even know what a platform was. And now with the internet, social media, I realized how how important and people now in with the internet, know how important the platform is. Mm. And so you're talking about seeing over a million um, members of my audience or target audience um, and not being intentional about building a platform around that. Got I would have yeah. been more intentional about doing that. The skill, you, you can learn that. Yeah. But the business yeah. side of it, that takes um, training. You have to be trained on how to market from the stage, how to um, see the audience, um, how to um put in the the how how get to get them to ask you for um the product that you're you're offering as opposed to quote selling yes. your product. And so all that stuff takes skill to learn but, the marketing side of it. Perfect. So just a couple of questions to kind of build on that. And the first question is around that that product. You mentioned it could be a book. What other things do you think that speakers should be built? I guess it depends on the industry, but are we talking online courses? Are we talking coaching programs? What kinds of products are we talking about? Well, you can do uh, any kind. When you're starting out, you just need to have something to sell. Mm, anything, yeah. A book, as long as you have something that you can, in addition to your fee, you mm-hmm. can have something to sell. Yeah. But um, I think the the key product that eventually you want to build too, if you don't start out with the product, is a coaching program. Mm. It's something that will allow the the listener, the person in the audience, to have a long term relationship with you. So that means you must have so much value that they want to stick around. That's why um, speakers like me are able to do what we do full time. Um, it's not well. We yeah, we get paid a lot of money from speaking, but that could be up and down. You know, mm. when COVID hit, yeah, yeah you yeah. know, that's dried up everything. And so, what does a speaker do if you were used to getting seventy five to one hundred and fifty speaking gigs a year, and now you can't get on a plane and you can't go anywhere? Then you're broke. Mm. And so, that's why you need to have product. And so, the best product to have. I think long term is to have a some type of coaching program or a community program where people are buying into to be part of that community. Yeah. And that's what most the uh, the most successful speakers, that's what they do. That's what I do. And and that, and that makes complete sense because you know, speakers, you're really in, in the transformation game. You're you know, you're, you're helping an audience transform from where they are to where they want to get to. And there's only so much they can transform in, in a 60 minute presentation. Yeah, in a 60 minute. minute presentation, exactly. They, they want that next logical step to to keep building right. that relationship yeah great so that makes complete sense and then the second part then was was platform so 
let's think of a brand new speaker, aspiring speaker. They haven't really got a platform. They haven't really got a following as such. What, what do they do? Where, where do they start to start building this, this platform? You start building your platform by getting email addresses. Okay. Yep. Um, the, the, the key is building your list. Mm. The list of people who say, man, I love what you have. And the way you start building your list is by giving them something after you leave. Say, hey, I want to give you some. I have a gift for you. I want to give you something. Some people call them freemiums, freebies, mm -hmm. or whatever that you can give them in exchange for their email address. Now, okay. we know an email address, um, even if you have a list of 100,000 people, you're probably going to get about a 20 to 25% open rate anyway. So it's not like all of them are going to respond to you. But the numbers, you got to play the numbers. The bigger you can make that list, the more um, consistent you can expect to have when it comes to selling product or yeah. opening up, selling a course or opening up a program, a, a membership program or a coaching program. And so you start with the list. Um, and I know when I started out that, you know, I didn't know that in the beginning, but after I caught on to it, I said, wait a minute, I need to be capturing these names and email addresses. Yeah. So never speak at a place, especially if you're, if it's your target audience, never speak at a place where you're not trying to get names and email addresses you want to get as many as you can if, if everybody if you can everybody's email address but at least i mean my target is to get at least half the audience's yeah. email addresses but i got to give them something of value in order to get that from them cool and i've seen some really cool you know you can have qr codes on the screen they'll scan with their mobile you can have right. a text a number to text and they'll get something sent back so yeah lots of different ways you can do that as well so that's great and final thing i want to talk about in the in the topic of the business side of speaking is this transition point between speaking for free which a lot of people have to do to begin with to asking for your first paid speaking gig what, what does that transition point look feel like and, and and how can people best navigate it well typically what's going to happen even if you speak for free if you're getting referrals and you're good at what you do they're going to ask you before you even ask for it. Yeah. Um, because somebody has told them about you that at least that's how it happened for me. Um, I knew that eventually they told me I was gonna have to charge, but I didn't have, I thought no one would ever pay me to do this. Mm. I'm having too much fun. Right. Yeah. I said, nobody's ever going to pay me to do this. So I was reluctant and scared to ask someone mm. to pay me. Cause I thought I was like stealing money or something. Right. Mm. So I just continued to speak for free. But after like maybe the second or third or fourth one, after I got referred, they say, okay, yeah, we heard about you from Tom Bailey, and we want you to speak to um, our group on, well, how much do you charge? See, they they invited yeah. me now to come up with a price yeah. yeah, because I didn't say I charge. I'm just mm -hmm. like, tell me about your speaking engagement. When is it? Am yeah. I available? They say, okay, so what's your rate? Yeah. How much do you charge? And so from there, it kind of put, they pulled me in. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you how, how much a novice I was. The first time someone asked me that. I didn't know what to charge because nope. I never thought anybody would pay me. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm dating myself now, but this is over talking about 30 years ago. I thought about Tony Robbins and I say, well, Tony Robbins back then he was charging like $2,000 a head yeah. to, to come hear him yeah. at his, whatever retreat he had in Hawaii somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm not Tony Robbins. I can't charge $2,000 a head. Now also for those who are listening, don't do what I'm doing right now. Nice. This is what I did, but don't do this. Mm -hmm. So this <laughs> Joe, how much are you charge? I said, well, um, I said, well, I can't charge $2,000 a head. I said, um, I charge by the head. I said, um, I charge $2 per person. <laughs> right? yeah. And I said, well, they said, okay. I said, how many people you expect? They said, um, 900. So, okay. That's 1800 bucks. So my first paid speaking engagement, I made $1,800. Not bad. It's actually stupid, but yeah. <laughs> I actually made, I did well for that first gig, yeah, yeah. but that's actually a stupid thing to do. Yeah. You know, um, but when I, when they, 
I couldn't believe I was getting paid eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah. And when I when they wrote that check for eighteen hundred dollars, I'm thinking, okay, I don't need to charge by the head. I need to charge an amount because they're willing yeah. to pay this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. here's the next tip I'll give you: when you're coming up with your price for what you should charge, only charge what you're confident in saying. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Tom, you said, Joe, how much is your speaking fee? Um, five hundred dollars. I shouldn't be charging you five hundred dollars. I probably need to charge you two hundred dollars. Yeah. But yeah. if you said, Joe, um, Joe, what's your speaking fee? Fifty grand. Yeah. See how what conviction I said that. Now yeah. it may shock you and give you a heart attack, but I didn't stutter. No. Nope. Fifty thousand dollars. Feels credible. You got to be able to say it with mm. conviction. If you can't say it with conviction and your voice flutters, you don't need to be charging that. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So I guess pra practice. Figure out your price point and practice saying it with conviction. Yeah, and also know your 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 audience to the target market because I primarily worked in the education field, so I'm not gonna be able to charge fifty thousand mm. dollars for a speaking gig, but I can get away with charging up to about ten. Yeah, you know, for the education arena. But if I'm working corporate, yeah, mm. I've done some corporate gigs where I can charge double that. Yeah, you know, so you got to know the the limitations of the market as well, but never charge anything you you're not confident in saying verbally. Yeah, and I understand that. So I think one one last point I want to just um to, to dive into, I guess, is, is you mentioned choosing your audience, but what about choosing your niche? Obviously, you know, you kind of your story, I guess, became the foundations of your niche. Um, did you stick in that arena, or have you branched out into different topics now? And and what advice would you give to somebody else? Well, I started. You know, I, I do think you need to pick your niche first. Mm -hmm. before, okay. You know, who you're gonna who you're gonna target because even though you can speak to everybody, not everybody's going to want to hire you. And they don't want um, uh, a jack of all trades. They want a master yeah. of an audience. There's, there's better speakers than, than me out there. But for my target market, I'll still get the gig before they will because mm -hmm. of my experience in knowing that particular market. My, my, I started out targeting um, um, students, mm -hmm. um, college students. And then I went to um, targeting teachers and administrators. And so those are my primary markets. So I know I know those. And what you start with when you're choosing your niche is I always say, if you know your story and you know the results you can produce, there's so many different audiences you can target. Who, if you if you were on your deathbed and you had to help one particular segment of the population, who would you start with? Yes. And yeah. so with me, based on my story and where I grew up, the first thing I want to do is help kids mm. because. I was I was young and no I didn't know all this stuff and then as I matured, man, I need to help the teachers who help the kids. Got it. Yeah. So that so I went with uh, I didn't go for quote go for the money. I went for where do where's my heart? Who would I want to help the most? Because I can I can yeah. speak. I've spoken to the CIA, mm -hmm. United States Navy, but I never targeted any of those people. They just came by referral. Yeah. But when you hit, hit, you hit 750, it's actually more than 750 now. It's probably over 1,500 wow. that I've done. But I would say 90% of them are in the education arena. Mm, yeah. 10% of those were places I'm thinking, I can't believe the, C the CIA is asking me to speak to them. What do I need to speak to the CIA for? Yeah, I don't yeah. know anything about the CIA. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it kind of naturally grows from that. But I go with who do I want to help the most? Who can yeah. I make the biggest impact with? And I start with it. Now I work with men. Mm. now so that's my audience now i work primarily with men, men and faith. yeah and that's a really good point you, you know it's not the niche for life is it you know you, you need to start somewhere 
uh, yeah, and, yeah. and then just see where it goes. So I guess don't, yeah, it'll don't... grow organically. You, yeah. as you get into a, a niche, what will happen is as you start helping that niche, you start realizing, okay, what can I do to help that niche even more? And you may find out it's another target audience. Like yeah. with educators, if I'm helping educators, guess what I'm doing? I'm helping kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and also it pays a lot better to work yeah. with the educators. Of course. <laughs> Fantastic. And well, great. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. You've added so much value to me and to the audience as well. So the last question from me today is somebody wants to book you as a speaker or find out more about you. Where's the best place for them to go? Well, we have an organization called Real Men Connect. That's Real Men Connect. Did they go to realmenconnect.com? They'll see the link that says um, speak. You know, they say, we want to bring Joe in to speak. Fantastic. And matter of fact, they'll see a picture of me on a stage speaking yeah, to speaking. a group of men. And yeah. so if they go to realmenconnect.com, that's realmenconnect.com. Fantastic. What I'll do is I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well so people can click that and they can find out more. So, Joe, thank you so much again for your time today, sharing your amazing story with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. My pleasure.